daughter team is coming across the aisle. Yeah, they're coming to an understanding, even if it takes a while. She's liberal, he's conservative, but they're best friends. You're known out for your everybody and welcome back to another episode of Now Hear Me Out. I am socially distanced but virtually here with my father, Randy Berholtz. And we are excited but also sad to to be here today and talking about the topic matter that we're going to be covering. It's I just want to sort of have a little disclaimer that I understand that this is a very very emotionally charged um, topic and situation that's going on right now. And I understand that my father and I are both two non persons of color. And this is just our personal opinions. His opinion is not necessarily mine and my opinion is not necessarily his. So we just wanted to come on here and openly talk about the horrific murder of George Floyd and the protests and subsequent rioting that's that's going on, what's happening, the various cities, how they're responding, and also talk about, you know, how do we, how do we, take steps forward. And also obviously talking about coronavirus Um, with all of the protests going on. A lot of people are not social distancing, wearing masks. Obviously we're not slamming them by any stretch of the imagination. This is obviously a very important thing to to go and march for, but we were also going to cover, you know, if, if people in two weeks, are we going to see a huge spike in Corona coronavirus outbreaks among these people who have been protesting and marching, you know, in such close quarters, but but dad, do you want to kind of to start off? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. So, so, so podcast listeners, what we're going to do today is a little bit different. A lot of what Harriet and I are doing is an experiment, right? I, I, I mean, you know, we are the on-air experiment for families who can talk about difficult political and social issues and, and not, not whack each other. I mean, to be honest with you here. You know, Harriet and I are going to today, you, you know, look, we're setting up a series of debates between uh, people who are running for like mayor's race, city council races, congressional races in San Diego County in California. And, you know, we've talked about two different, uh, two different formats. You know, one format is a pure debate format where questions are asked and, and people debate back and forth. You know, the, the second format, though, is where each person gets a certain amount of time to just talk without the other person interfering, and where they can state their view. And so what Harriet and I are going to do today is, you know, this is a really charged issue. And, and you know, look, you know, the, there were so many, you know, there, there's the basic issue of, the, of, of police brutality. And then there's so many layers and layers of both how people feel historically and the like, and just layers of stuff. So, so it, it, you know, look, like a family, you know, which, which, which Harriet and I are, you know, she's, so she's, I'm told. She, I, 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 last time I checked, you know, Harriet, you look too much like me and my relative. So, so yeah, look, right. we, we did the DNA sample. So you <laughs> are me and I am you. What Harriet and I are going to do is, you know, look, you know, Harriet and I, you know, you know, behind the scenes, we talk about some stuff and there are some stuff we both get heated about. We just do. And, and so look, you know, you know, if, if we're going to, to talk to, to you, our podcast listeners, about how you do this, we have to do it ourselves. So, but, and but own our shit, right? And argument. Uh, I mean, yeah, 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 but you know, seriously though, but, 
the thing we don't want to do in America is in a situation like this, we have historically either, you know, one group talks, the other group doesn't listen, or, or one group shouts, the other group doesn't listen. And, you know, one of the problems with, you know, the, in a, this has a lot of issues right now. This has police brutality. This has race. This has, you know, economic situation. This has, you know, you know, maybe, maybe other political groups coming in here. This, this has so many, you know, layers to it that, that. And there's so many deep wounds, like within this community, you know, so much deeper than obviously this one incident. Yeah. And, you know, at first I thought to myself, I'm not touching this. I'm not touching it because it's so deep. And, and there's so many things. And, and, and look, you know, I, I'm Harriet's dad, so I'm older than Harriet's. I'm 31 years older than Harriet. So, you know, and I was born in 1961. So, you know, I can remember, you know, I can remember vaguely, you know, a little bit about the riots in the 60s. I can remember Rodney King riots, you know, in the you know late 80s and 90s. I I can remember a lot of stuff. And in my day, you know, a lot of this was just done in the cities, in, in the very urban areas or in the ghetto parts of the city, you know, of the cities. And so people who live outside of it would talk about it and you'd be careful and you'd have that talk, you know, where you sometimes didn't talk. But, you know, if the, the, the truth of this is if we are going to make progress, you know, moving forward, we have to listen to each other. And the thing you can't do is you can't silence either entity here because that truly is going to get you nowhere. And, you know, so, so Harriet and I are going to do a bit of an experiment right now. So, so, so she's going to talk and, and give her view. And then I'm going to talk and give my view. Not necessarily, I'm not going to, what I'm not going to do, and, hey, look, Harry, you know, Harriet and I have had a couple, you know, a couple talks on the weekend, and, and you know, oh, well. you know, I sort of got, I sort of got a bit angry, you know, you know, and I had to apologize, which, you know, you know, if you get into fights with your families on these issues, take a step back, and when you're wrong, you know, say, you know, either... You know, look, say you're wrong or say your tone was wrong. But, you know, if you want to keep talking with your family members, you know, you got to tone it down. And, you know, look, if we have people on on two sides saying something, you know, when we talk together, we have to talk in a way as a society that one isn't offensive, but that two does state how you feel. So Harriet and I are going to we're, we're going to try and experiment right now on this show right now with doing this because if you listen to Fox, if you listen to CNN, if you listen to CBS and NBC and ABC, they're not probably going to give you the whole picture. And look, Harriet and I are both white, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, we didn't live, you know, as you know, with with different faces or different ethnicities or in different parts of town, but but you know. We can still be different as to how we see things. So we're going to talk this one through right now, but but Harriet's going to give her view, and I'm going to give my view. And and you know afterwards we're you know we're really not going to, you know, point fingers or yell or say this or anything else. But we're going to let you know out there that it's okay to have your view, unless of course you 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 want to kill everybody, and that's that's 
that's probably not okay, and you need to probably see or a shrink. Don't like dogs. Turn this off now. Oh, Podcast not for I you. Mean, if you don't like dogs or cats, I'm going to put the cat caveat in there. If you don't, you must turn this off and seek psychological help right away because yes. it's not right. <laughs> but, uh, but so, okay, so I'm and, and so uh, we're, we're not going to interrupt each other, okay? No, and I want to prove that to you first to show you I'm going okay. to. <laughs> okay, so so I am just going to speak. Yes. Okay. So, and I'm sorry. What was George's last name again? Floyd. George Floyd. Okay, guys. So this this is Randy Berhalt, 58 years old, living in San Diego, California, uh, previously from Shamokin, Pennsylvania. So with all that in mind, so look, um, um, my understanding was that uh, this past Monday, I guess, Harriet, was that right? Uh, there was an, an, an incident in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where four police officers, two Asian Americans and two, uh, two white American police officers, uh, picked up an African, African American man, uh, George Floyd. Uh, George, I guess, is 48. I, I, I think one of the officers inherited. Do you, do you know his name? I, I, didn't, I, I didn't pay attention to, uh, to his name. What was the officer's name? Do you know? Give me one second. Um, new details are obviously emerging all the time yeah, um, yeah. with this. So yeah. I forget his name offhand, but but okay. I'm sure his name is you know. Well, I was supposed to be quiet. Hold on. So yes, it happened on Monday. Um, the officer who, well, I mean, a couple are being charged now with uh, third degree um, murder. Uh, his name's Derek. Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. Okay. Yeah. Well, a uh, Derek. Derek Chauvin uh, uh, was seeking to arrest uh, George Floyd, and Derek, I guess, is what forty-nine. George is like forty-eight, or something like that. And uh, you know, it, I'm not sure yet what what the incident was. One, you know, one I read was potentially passing a a bad twenty-dollar check. The other one I heard was passing a bad twenty-dollar note. I don't know. You know. I, he was at a convenience store. Sorry, I'll just tell you because it, it has come out because there's obviously going to be a trial going on. So they talked about it. Um, initially, it was that he was accused or suspected initially of writing a, I don't, to be honest, I don't really understand checks, but a false or fake check or bank note of some kind. Um, so the officers were called to the scene. It ended up actually not being a fake bank note um, at all. So just. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so I'll keep going then, okay? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, my understanding then was uh, the police officers were attempting to put uh, Mr. Floyd into um, into the uh, back of a, of a. Not sure if it was a police van or the like. Uh, Mr. Floyd said that he was he was very uh, highly claustrophobic and that he he just couldn't go into one. He he would you know it it wasn't good for him. Uh, the officers then. Um, uh, had him on the ground uh, uh, by their police car, and uh, and uh, 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 the officer was it Sean? Sean? Derek Chauvin. Chauvin. Officer Chauvin was seen <coughs> uh, putting his his knee into uh, into Mr. Floyd's neck, and Mr. Floyd. Uh, kept saying, you're choking me, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, please don't kill me. And a bunch of, a bunch of uh, uh, people were uh, 
um, civilians were around the area, and he shouted at the police and said, look, what the hell are you doing to him? Why do you have to do this to him? So then, uh, uh, you know, I didn't see what happened after that as to whether they then put him into the back of the car, whether he died right then and there, but uh, uh, eventually Mr. Floyd died. So um, um, my understanding is, is that uh, uh, over the next few days, uh, uh, more words got out about this incident and uh, the, uh, the video got out. And then, you know, I think around Thursday and Friday, there, there were starting to be, uh, uh, first I thought it was a peaceful gathering, and, and then I guess it became more of a, more of a riot in, the, in the, a traditional sense with, uh, with, with uh, looting. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if there, there was shooting. Uh, there was a, a graffiti. Uh, the, uh, the Minnesota... Uh, well, the Minneapolis police first came out. A friend of mine who was a, who's a doctor at the Mayo Clinic was worried on Friday. I, I spoke with him. His, uh, his brother was in the SWAT team for, uh, for Minneapolis, and so he, he was called out. I know by the, by the end of the night on Friday night, the, uh, uh, the Minnesota National Guard was called out in the first time in its 168-year existence or something like that. And then like wildfire, the... Uh, uh, the news of the of the Minneapolis incident uh, then spread to other urban areas across the U.S., uh, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, uh, Florida, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Seattle, and then uh, a lot of other major urban areas. Now, look, you know, I'm both a you know I'm I'm a conservative Republican. I'm also pretty much of a law and order guy. You know, I'm not a huge fan of police tactics. Uh, you know, I, I don't have any family members who, who are in the police force, but I do, I do have people from my background who, who, who are in police forces across the country. I do know that, that you know, being a cop is a, is, is a tough job. And I do know that, that, that cops take a lot of crap. But at the same time, you, you know, I am a citizen, and from what I could see on the video, it, it looks like excessive police force here, especially when you're when the person is saying to you, I can't breathe. And to me, it looked like the officer and the officer surrounding the officer had really wasn't wasn't paying attention to this individual, Mr. Floyd, which I think is just terrible. I, I just think that's terrible. So, so I guess in my view. You know, based on what I've seen, you know, do I think the officer was going out and looking to uh, to kill an African-American man that day? No, I don't. You know, do I think he was reckless in his actions? Yes. Do I think it was criminal, you know, criminally reckless? Yes, I do. You know, do you know, you know, do I think he should be tried by the press? No, I don't. I, I, I think like anybody else, he needs to have a fair trial. I know that uh, Attorney General Keith, Keith Ellison uh, um, from Minnesota has come out, and uh, uh, Keith Ellison is is very vocal on these issues. Keith, Keith Ellison is an, is an African American uh, man who is who is very very vocal, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think that that uh, uh, the officer here will get a fair hearing um, uh, in in front of Mr. E- Mr. Ellison, you know. But but so. 
one issue I think is, you know, in any crime, and this is a crime by the police, you know, a, a, a civilian, you know, a, an African-American civilian at that. And I'll talk a little bit more as to how that plays into this. But, but you know, no matter what, no matter if this was, a, you know, a, a white American, an Asian American or a Hispanic American, there, you know, somebody died in police custody here after, at least on tape, complaining that the officer was hurting him. And, you know, at the very least, an officer, you know, officers need to be aware of, of, of their actions and they need to be responsible for their actions. So, um, well, what you have to realize here too, and, and I don't know, does it matter? Does, does it not matter? Minnesota is a, is a, is a very democratic state. A lot of the big cities are very dead. A democratic areas. Does it matter? Does it not matter? I don't know. But but at the same time, you, you know, I, I know some people are going out and blaming Republicans and blaming Donald Trump for everything that happens in the world. And and frankly, Donald Trump wasn't there. Uh, but but, you know, our, our president is a tweeter and, and he comes out and he says stuff on his tweets. And a lot of us wish that that uh, those tweets would go through a hell of a lot more handlers than they do right now. And President Trump, you know, probably acted unpresidential with a lot of the things that he said. And, and you know, you, you know, and some people said he needs to shut his mouth and, and is he stoking a bit of a fire? And the truth of the matter is when something like this happens and you're not there, you, you have to, for the sake of justice for the individual, for the officer involved, you have to take that into consideration in order to give, you know, the officer and the public a fair trial. So, so that's one part of it. The, the second part is race. And as a lot of you know, uh, in, in America, you know, we have a schizophrenic country when it, when it, when it comes to race. So on, on the one hand, we are the nation of immigrants. And, and, and you know, on one hand, we are the, we are the leaders of freedom and, uh, uh, and democracy in the free world. On the other hand, like a lot of countries, but, but we had our own unique way too, you know, we enslaved people for for hundreds of years, and, and until at the end of civil, you know, until I guess the Emancipation Proclamation in the North, I guess in 1863 or 1864, and then after the uh, Civil War. And uh, but you know, a lot of African Americans will tell you that e- even though they they were technically emancipated, you know, uh, those whose 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 ancestors were slaves, that they weren't really granted their rights. Other full rights until the 1960s and 1970s, and some will, will even say until this day that that they are treated differently. So look, you know, you've got the powder keg of, of police brutality, and and you know, was it intentional? Was was it reckless? No matter what, it happened, and it, it you know, and somebody died, and the officer and the police department has has to be responsible for that. They just do. I mean, you know, and. Uh, and then secondly, you know, I wear my white face. I wear my white values and, and you know, that's how I see the world. If somebody says... Wait, can you, know, you just, I'm not trying to interrupt, but just can you uh, elaborate on that? What do you mean when you say white values? Uh, well, Herod, Herod, come on, we have to have, have our... have our say though, okay? So, so no, but... That's okay. No, no, I, you know, I, I, am a, I am a pretty much of a law and order guy. Uh, you know, my values, you know, I look to my history from Europe. I look to my immigrant experience. Uh, you you know, you know, 
uh, I go through life probably a bit different as somebody else would. You know, do, you know, am I saying that there's no police brutality against people who look like me? No, I'm not saying that at all. Am I saying that I have not been called names by people of other races? No, I, I've been in Washington D.C. I've been called all type of names, and and, and you know by by a lot of different people. You know, I've been the only one who looks like me in a lot of crowds. So and and it's not a good thing. You know, it's not good, but you know. You know, have I been stopped uh, because somebody thought I was driving uh, too much of a fancy car, and and they didn't think that that pe- people who look like me uh, earn earn can I actually earn that type of money? No, I haven't. You know, have I been stopped for being black? No, I haven't. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm I'm a law and order guy, and so so let's talk about another aspect here. Another aspect is protest, and this is number three, and it's peaceful protest. We have a different country than any country in the face of the earth by our constitution and just by the nature of our people and the nature of our political system. And that is we have the ability, you know, we have the right to peacefully protest. And so, you know, I don't think anybody here is denying anybody the right to peaceably peacefully protest this incident. And if people are angry, this is one of the this is one of the means that we have in this country to show our displeasure with the government. And no matter what, the police force is a part of the city government here. And so so people have their right to go out and to show how they feel. Uh, and and so I, I don't think anybody is, you know, I don't think any anybody is questioning that. Number 4 the truth is, this is just not a peaceful protest. This is this, you know, you go from a peaceful protest to a riot sometimes very quickly. And a question right now on my mind and across, you know, police forces' minds and members of the public and even members of the peaceful protesters. And and, and let me just say, this is not just a black-white thing. And and because and I, for me, you know, I I like to see this more as a police brutality issue. But some people, you know, who who don't look like me, and maybe some who do feel that it's more of a black and white issue. Harrod will probably talk about at some point, you know, would this officer have treated a white person differently? Would he have treated an, an Asian person differently? Would he have treated a, uh, you know, a Hispanic person differently? I don't know. I wasn't in his shoes. I know that there is police brutality right across the board. Uh, but, you know, these were other circumstances again. And I, you know, I can't put myself into that officer's mind. I wasn't there. But from when I look about it, it looks like a pretty clear cut case of police brutality. Somebody died because directly because of an officer's, you know, you know, an officer's actions, which frankly, who puts their, you know, for a $20 check or a bill, you know, for this type of who the hell puts their knee on somebody's neck? I mean, you had four officers there. I don't know the size of Mr. Floyd. You know, I, the officer was a pretty big guy, and I'm pretty sure that all four of the officers probably had police training. You know, you know there there has been information coming out that that uh, two or three of the officers have had uh, past uh, issues with uh, police brutality, and you know this this is one of the worst I can see right now. You know, I I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything worse, and you know it was caught on tape too. Which, which, you know, you know, do tapes lie? I don't know, you know. Uh, but from what 
what most of us see. It just looks like, you know, it, it looks like a very clear-cut case of, of, of police brutality. Four, though, you know, is this issue of rioting. You know, we have an obligation in, in this country, you know, to respect peaceful protest. But when a protest gets out of hand, and what do I mean by out of hand? When somebody gets hurt, when there is looting. I mean, look, you know, protests have happened, you know, protests, uh, you know, and, and riots have happened all, you know, all across this country, as we've said. But, you know, does somebody need to loot? Do you need to go into a place and write graffiti on the wall? Do you need to burn something down? Do you need to go out and get a Gucci bag? I, I mean, you know, rioters have been going up and down Rodeo Drive in Los Angeles where, look, I can't afford anything in Rodeo, in, in Rodeo Drive. But, it, it, you know, people have been going up and down Rodeo Drive saying, eat the rich, you know, torching places, robbing places. And, you know, as a society... I don't believe we should tolerate that. You know, there's a peaceful protest and there are those who take advantage of that peaceful process. And in my view, there are outside groups and, and you know, the officials in Minnesota, the officials in Illinois, officials in Los Angeles, a, a lot of the city government officials have been complaining that they feel that there are outside agitators coming in taking advantage of the situation. Some of those agitators may be white. Some of those may be of any color. But there are groups in this country that take advantage of situations. There is a group called Antifa, which, you know, I faced Antifa personally uh, at the uh, uh, Republican State uh, Convention uh, about a year and a half ago uh, up in Sacramento. Uh, we were sitting, eat, 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 eating, having a peaceful meal. All of a sudden, Antifa members come, smash, you know, are trying to smash our uh, our restaurant's windows, uh, uh, calling us all type of names and everything else. I've seen these people right up front. These are not these are not nice people. A lot of them are white. Most of them are white. I don't know if they're white radicals or white students, but whatever their goal is, these are the people that come in and they take advantage of situations. Uh, uh, some members of the Massachusetts, uh, I'm sorry, of the uh, of the Minnesota uh, State Police and the National Guard have have even said they thought outside state influencers were coming in, like KKK or drug cartels. I don't know about the KKK or the drug cartels, but <clears throat> you know anybody who comes in and who uses this situation, you know, at a time of crisis risk the health of everybody. And the truth of it is, it can't be tolerated. And, 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 you know, Harriet and I have had a conversation, and maybe Harriet can talk about this at some point, but, you, you know, Donald Trump um, had a tweet which said, if, you know, to the effect, if you're a looter, uh, well, say, if, if there's looting, then there's going to be shooting. And, and, and what, you know, what he was talking about then was that in historical times, in floods or in, in in uh, you know you know situations such as riots and that the police have the the police and the national guard have the ability to arrest and if necessary shoot looters and the reason they do that is to scare the crap out of people who are trying to go and take advantage of situations. A lot of those businesses right next to the urban areas were black owned, you know minority owned, you know, uh, you know Hispanic owned, Asian owned, white owned places where. Where the business owners spent their lives working there, 
And so, you know, you know, should we let people riot? Well, peaceful protest, yes, but I, I draw the line at, you know, I drive, I draw the line at rioting. I draw the line at graffiti. You know, I just draw the line at that, you, you know? And so I, I've, you know, and there have even been instances recently where, where some African American women had been protesting, I think it was in Atlanta, peacefully. And then they saw some, some white American women, you know, writing graffiti, like Black Lives Matter, you know, you know on walls and, and just destroying property. And they said to them, what are you doing? I, I, mean, I mean, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, we want to have a peaceful protest. And the white, uh, and the white protester said, this is my First Amendment right. I have the right to do this. And, and the African-American women shouted back. They said, you know, we're going to get blamed for this, and it's going to be your fault. And then uh, uh, there, there, there was another uh, incident uh, I reported up in L.A. where an African-American NBA basketball player was peacefully protesting. Uh, he had parked his car away from one of the major areas. He, he came back. He had a nice car. He came back, and some you know, white demonstrator was breaking into his car. Well, the basketball player got him, started beating the crap out of him, and saying, what the hell are you doing to my car? So look, you know, you know, police brutality, it definitely looks like it to me. You know, is the African-American situation with the police different? Yes, it is. Three, should people be allowed to peacefully protest? Yes, they should. Four, should they be allowed to loot or do graffiti across this great nation? No, they shouldn't. So that's, you know, look, that's, you know, I'm speaking from my skin with my age and my party with my experience. And, you know, do I think this is going to, you know, do I, you know, what effect is this going to have on, you know, COVID-19, what effect is this going to have on the political, you know, on the, on the general election? I frankly think a lot of, a lot of Americans in this country want peace and security. I think Americans are angry, but I don't think you can blame this on Donald Trump. Donald Trump comes out and says some stuff sometimes, and oh my God, it's like it's like your grandfather saying stuff, you know. But but the the truth of the matter is, I, I you know you know most of these areas were not Republican areas, so it's hard to, for somebody to say, well, you caused this. I don't know if Donald Trump caused this or Republicans caused this, but it happened. It happened in our country, and we have to deal with it. But at the same time, who is this going to help? My prediction is this going to help Donald Trump and the Republicans more than it's going to help the uh, Democrats, even though people are saying that it's going to help the Democratic Party in the long run. I think what this shows is I think this shows a deepening rift within the Democratic Party between those those Democratic uh, leaders who are out there doing their job. You know, your mayor, you, you know, Mayor Garcetti, you, you know, Governor Newsom, you, you know, you know, mayors of, you know, you know, Mayor de Blasio, you, you know, you know, Governor Cuomo and their counterparts through 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 most American cities and states today are having to do a tough job. But you have to draw the line at some point. And, and, and you know, look, are, are they going to get blamed? Maybe. But uh, I mean, look, lastly, COVID-19, you know, some people were wearing masks, some people weren't. You know, you know, 
we're just coming out of this. Harry, you know, before this happened, Harriet and I were probably going to talk again about COVID nineteen, about how we're just coming out of this, and and we're going into, uh, you know, where you know we're trying to go out by the beaches and to walk around, you know. But you know, this is this is crazy right now. This is, you know, can people protest? Yeah, but but you know, is this going to have an effect on COVID nineteen? I hope not. And you know, the truth of it is, if it doesn't then we're probably going to open up sooner. But if it does, oh, my God, we've just put a hell of a lot of people at risk here by doing this. So, Harriet, with that, thank you for, you know, for letting me have my say, and I will do the same with you. So, so go See, ahead. You truly hear another person out in a positive, you know, way and not, and not you know, be aggressive or whatever. It's, it's very doable. Um, yeah. So thank you for, for sharing your point of view rather than us obviously debate. I am, I'm just going to share mine. And first of all, I know that you gave a little bit of background on, on what happened obviously with George Floyd. Um, obviously on Monday that, that event occurred. Um, I mean, he was in my opinion, murdered by, by a cop in a horrific act of police brutality. Um, it was videotaped and I thought something that Will Smith, um, as you all know, I'm sure Will Smith, uh, he said something about racism isn't new. Now we're just filming it. And, you know, a lot of people are acting like very surprised and shocked. Like, I can't believe this, this is still happening in this country. I thought this was done with, you know, racism. I, I never see it in my small town or whatever it is, but obviously it's still very much a real thing. And that video was, heartbreaking to watch. Absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, speaking as somebody with claustrophobia, I understand why he didn't want to get into the back of a of a police car. Um, Derek Chauvin, a 44-year-old cop, um, yes, he was taken into custody. So four officers total were involved in this event. And uh, Derek Chauvin had a knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for a total of eight minutes and 46 seconds. He became unresponsive around minute six. And then for an additional two plus minutes, he kept the knee on his neck, even after Mr. Floyd was passed out. It was absolutely heartbreaking. As he was passing out, he cried for his mom. He said he couldn't breathe. He, he just said, you're going to kill me. They're going to kill me, please. He begged the officers around him. It was a horrific, horrific video to watch and just an act of senseless, aggressive violence. Um, his mom had passed away two years prior and he was a huge mama's boy. He thought the world of his mom. If you if you go and you look at anything that his family and friends are posting, it's so many photos of him growing up with his mom. His He was a mama's boy. And so he only moved to Minneapolis five years ago. And he was a great guy. He didn't grow up with much. He was a big guy, 6'4". He was the star of uh, his high school football team and basketball team. Um, when he returned to Houston for his mom's funeral, uh, two years ago, he told a cousin in Minneapolis that he had come to, to feel like home. He's known as a happy guy who loved to be around people. He loved to dance and he absolutely loved the city of Minneapolis. He was a religious guy. He was religious. He actually was known as a neighborhood peacemaker in a sense. He welcomed people to the neighborhood. He'd walk around his neighborhood holding a Bible, preaching what he said was the good book and how he wanted everyone to feel like they were welcome in, in his neighborhood. And uh, he was just known as a really wonderful man. And so that's that's what I feel like a lot of times gets missed and a lot of the narrative kind of gets switched whenever you see somebody who is a person of color who is murdered by the police due to police brutality. You see a lot of times people trying to find a photo of them that makes them look like a criminal in a sense to try to almost make it seem like, look, like this, this isn't someone you should worry about. Like they deserved it. 
And as my dad said in the beginning, I I 100% realize my incredible privilege as a white person. I am never going to understand the experience of knowing what it's like to walk around as a person of color. I think what happened with George Floyd is what's happened a million times before him. I mean, it goes on from Ahmaud Aubrey to Botham Sean to Renisha McBride, Jordan Davis, Alton Sterling, Trayvon Martin, Tamar Rice. I mean, Sandra Bland, for goodness sake, Philandro Castile. There's so many people that, I mean, God, Eric Gardner and Freddie Gray. You, you literally, you, it's, no, these, these people can't be arrested without a fear of being murdered. They can't go for a run around their block. They can't go to church. They can't even be in their own home. If you want to talk about police brutality, uh, the woman who straight up murdered Botham Jean in his own home, she uh, opened what she thought was, as she said, the door to her own apartment, saw a black man, Botham Jean, inside of his own apartment and claimed she got scared, shot him in cold blood and then was not charged for, I think, two weeks after this happened. She was a cop. This, This was a long time coming, these protests. And I... And I just want to state, and I don't obviously want to make this about me, but I want to give my personal experience on this. And it's up to us as white people to educate non-educated white people when it comes to how to be better allies to people of color. And I, I have had to do the work. Um, I was 18. I registered Republican. I've told you guys this story before, straight out the gate. I really didn't like Obama. Couldn't tell you why. It was kind of what I grew up hearing. I, As my dad has said, I sang at a bunch of Republican events, and I was very involved in Republican politics. Um, I I thought that was going to be my party forever. Um, Then I went off to college and I know a lot of people like to say, oh, my kids went off to college and they got brainwashed by the liberal media. And I'm sure my dad believes that to a certain extent, but I really was just exposed to different types of people that I'd never been exposed to before, different cultures. My mind was opened and I, I started to feel my opinions change and I realized my previous opinions and experiences weren't grounded in anything real. They were just grounded in a lot of fear and, and ignorance on my part. I've said some things in the past. I'm sure you can find something on Facebook that I have posted that was not amazing. I have, I, in the past, got into fights with friends um, over, over racial things that I said that I didn't understand why they were ignorant or why it hurt people's feelings. And I got so defensive. I would say, well, you know, you're just being so mean to me. I didn't, I didn't understand. Like, you know, you know, I'm a good person. And I, I even used the excuse, well, I can't be racist. I have a black friend. And for those things that I've said in the past, I am deeply, deeply ashamed of, obviously. Um, I found an amazing activist, Rachel Cargill, who you can find on, on Instagram. And she is an absolutely amazing African-American woman who is a phenomenal resource for white women to learn about how to be better allies to people of color. And I joined a group that she has on Facebook where she specifically has educated white women who have worked with her work to educate other white women about how to be better allies to people of color. And so I joined that group and I got my ass handed to me. I, and this is the thing, when you really start going in and doing the work to actively be anti-racist, a lot of emotions come up. You feel a lot of triggers. And my dad, we've had these conversations in the last couple of days, and he's admitted certain words like the word white privilege can be very triggering, especially to white people who hear this word privilege and they think, well, I grew up poor. I grew up impoverished. I grew up with like an addict as a parent. What the hell are you talking about? How am I privileged? And that's the thing that I had to learn was that privilege isn't the fact that you were given anything else. It's that the color of your skin did not make your life just harder. 
or more difficult. And so that's, that's what I had to swallow. And I learned how to be a better ally to people of color. And it's always going to be a journey for a white person. And the thing is, the onus is not on people of color to educate us. There's enough free resources out there where we can go and educate ourselves with books, paying, you know, people of color who do this work like Rachel Cargill to educate us on these topics. And so it's a, it's a learning process. And I understand, you know, these riots have been devastating. And I I know my dad touched on this a little bit too. And I know this is a little bit all over the place, but it's obviously a very complex issue. But there's multiple different types of people that are protesting and that there's people who are peacefully protesting. And those, there are people coming in who are rioting and looting and causing destruction of property. And as my dad also said, it's actually been caught on camera that there's a lot of white people coming in, apparently even being paid, who just like to cause chaos. And as he said, it's then going to hurt the African-American community because they are going to get blamed. And it's just another thing for people to point their fingers and be, oh, oh, look at this. And I mean, President Trump called these people thugs, which obviously is a, a horrible thing to say. But there are peaceful protests taking place in this country. But I think something my dad touched on a little bit that I I don't agree with um, is that there are people who are being punished for just trying to protest peacefully with violence. In San Diego, there was a woman in La Mesa who was shot at point blank, who definitively was peacefully protesting. This was all caught on camera um, by a rubber bullet. And she had to be taken to the hospital. It was horrific. There were also people in downtown San Diego who were sprayed with tear gas. There was a little seven-year-old girl in Seattle who was protesting with her her dad, I'm pretty sure, and police sprayed her with pepper spray. And there's a video of her crying, and it's the most heartbreaking thing. There, it's just, it's, it's absolutely awful. So peaceful protesters are being punished and being physically threatened, arrested, and met with violence on, on the part of cops. However, and I am going to say this, is no, it is not all cops. And there have been some really beautiful demonstrations of solidarity between people of color, protesters, non-people of color, and the police community and police force. For example, there's a beautiful video you can watch going on um, where the sheriff of Flint, Michigan, came out, had his fellow officers. He was saying things like, you know, we've put our, our batons down, we've put our guns down, and we are just here to support you guys, keep you safe, and keep this. He said, I want to turn this protest into a goddamn parade, celebrating the life of George Floyd and demanding better. Um, from the police and like, we're here to march with you. And I just thought, you know what? Like, that's, that's what we need. That's, you know, that guy we had on our podcast, Errol Weber, he created a lot of um, content around police brutality and he called them peace officers at, at their best cops are peace officers. And let me just mention, cause you had one. Yeah. Errol Weber is a Republican. Yes, exactly. But he's also African-American. So that's what I wanted to say. Um, but he, he's done a lot of videos and stuff, as you know, with, um, about police brutality and how the, um, African-American community can have better, foster better relationships and trust with police officers or peace officers as he calls them. So I think that demonstration was beautiful and that type of stuff, it's not, and we've talked about this, my dad and I can agree with this, the, the, the rhetoric can be extremely divisive and various news outlets, depending on what you look at basically just pick and choose things to fit their own narrative that they are trying to push. And the truth is there's, there's beautiful instances of just humanity coming together and doing good that aren't going to get much press coverage. And one was a beautiful uh, post that I saw in Louisville, Kentucky of a protest going on. And what happened was there was a SWAT officer in full gear with the mask and everything who was separated from his, his, his other employees and, and officers. And pretty much if you're, 
alone and you're in a pretty aggressive protest where a lot of people are screaming, police are pigs and all this kind of stuff, you're in danger. And what happened was people started to come towards him and be very threatening physically. And a group of protesters, African-American men, um, linked arms and they formed a circle around him and they said, don't you dare hurt this man. Not all cops are bad. We have to end violence. And it was just the most, like, I, I saw it, I cried, I thought it was beautiful, I'm a huge softie, but I just, those things are taking place, it's not violent everywhere. You have assholes who are coming in and wanting to loot and steal bags, but at the same time, there's a, just an awful thing where if you're more concerned about the destruction of property than you are outraged with the loss of a human life in the sense of George Floyd, there's something wrong there. You need to be out, like you cannot condone violence, but you have to understand if you're not a person of color, like think about it this way. I've heard it explained like this, and this is kind of the best way to explain it to white people in my experience. This, this woman did an amazing video and I'll share it in the description of this episode, showing pictures of a bus that was set on fire. People climbing a Boston library with like torches and shouting and fighting. And she said, can you believe these, these, you know, thugs, these protesters are doing this kind of stuff. And then she goes, psych, uh, all of these images were from towns where their local sports team either lost or won a championship. So this rioting, it doesn't have to always be about race. Some people just like to riot. Um, and, and that's the thing. I mean, those people weren't getting shot out with rubber bullets. People who protested after, you know, the Red Sox lost and flipped cars or, and cop cars because they were pissed about their sports team losing. Those people weren't being arrested, you know? So there's just a very different rhetoric. And, and the whole thing is- Nick and Harriet, those people actually weren't pissed because their teams lost. They were rioting because their team won. Figure that one out. There was a couple of, there's a couple of, some of them lost, which I totally do not understand, by the way. I don't, that is. You win, you riot. What the hell is that about? No, and I, when I lived in Boston, I lived right by Fenway. And uh, I just remember you'd see people coming back from games, drunk, aggressive, getting into fights. Like people would be bloody. And I would always be like, okay, did they just lose or did they just win? Uh, you know, I, t- I didn't know. But. Oh, they're the Red Sox fans. Come on, I'm a Yankee yeah. fan. Oh my God. But, uh, but no, so I mean, that's, I, I, the way in which those people who were rioting and, and looting and destroying property, they were not treated in which, you know, the manner that these peaceful protesters are being treated. And I understand fully, there are people who are not protesting peacefully. There are people who trashed a target. There are people who destroy buildings. And a lot of these buildings, as you said, are minority owned businesses. However, if you look at some of these businesses that were destroyed, their reactions to their property being destroyed were saying, we can rebuild. George Floyd cannot be resurrected from the dead. We stand with the protesters. Just please stay safe out there. Like, we'll rebuild. We have insurance. We'll be okay. You read that from one place, but I hear you. No, there were four people. I'm, no, I'm just saying, and, and my best friend lives in Minneapolis, and so... I've been getting a bit of a play-by-play from her. She's very involved in, in protesting and, and being supportive, you know, of, of what's going on to, to combat police brutality. But I, I understand this is a nuanced issue for a lot of people. To me, it's not. To me, it is black and white. To me, it's very simple. This was, in fact, police brutality. This was a history of systematic oppression of people of color. And the, people just are like, you know what? Screw this. And my dad and I, this is where we had an argument the other night. And this is where he quote unquote hung up on me, but I'm just going to say it. And I just, did not. It, it, it's a lie. Don't believe her. Just, but just listen when I say this. The one thing that somebody said to me, and I, 
I was an asshole probably eight or nine years ago where I had said, oh, F that guy, Colin Kaepernick. He's un-American. He's a horrible person. Like, oh, he must hate the military. I said that shit. Like, I, you can probably find that online somewhere that I said that shit. So I'm just going to come out and say that right now. I apologize wholeheartedly. I was uneducated. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Because from what I've learned and from what I can see, people are saying, okay, well, I can't believe these violent protesters and protests are taking place and destruction of property. But the way in which black people have protested in the past, peacefully protesting, saying something in an acceptance speech at the Oscars, uh, Taraji P. Henson. Oh my God, love her, incredible. Um, Jesse, the the guy from Grey's Anatomy, um, amazing guy. He accepted an award speech and talked about why police brutality needed to end. Um, Oh God, peacefully protesting. There's an image people keep circulating where Martin Luther King is walking hand in hand with other uh, people. And they've said, well, look, this is what a peaceful protest looks like. And then it's basically saying, okay, but five minutes later, here's an image of what was actually going on. And it's cops beating the crap out of protesters. Martin Luther King was murdered. And that man never was a part of a violent looting protest in his life. So it's kind of like saying, okay, you guys can protest, um, but not like that. Oh, oh, and not like that. And oh, you, you can't kneel. Oh, LeBron James, you can't say that at a basketball game. And you can't wear a shirt that says, you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, it's what nothing in the past has worked. So what else are we going to come to? And the thing is, I talked with a therapist about this, not my therapist, but a friend who's a therapist. And it was a, she had a post that circulated and and went viral about this, the destruction of property. And I know my dad's going to roll his eyes at this, but she had said it's a trauma based response. It's a method of frustration. And, um, my old teacher actually, cause she, she shared this post. She's a teacher, um, incredible teacher was my teacher is my best friend's aunt. Um, but anyway, what she had said is when we have four and five-year-olds in class, that are destructive, that rip stuff apart. And we all know those kids we went to school with that threw stuff. What did we do? We funneled all of our resources to to surround them with tools and love and rehabilitation and support. And we realized these children are hurting and they are struggling and they don't need us to yell at them or punish them. They need us to figure out how do we fix what's going on. And that is what these protests and these these riots and these lootings and all of that stuff. That's what this is. This is trauma in action. And this is how some people cope. And Target is a huge corporation. Target can rebuild. And I'm not saying violence is right, but I don't know what it's like to be a person of color and I never will. And somebody had said the other day, if my son was murdered, what the hell would you do if you felt like there was no justice being served and he would be forgotten? And I don't know. I don't have kids yet, but I don't know. I can only imagine if I was murdered and like my dad felt like nothing was being done. I don't know what he'd do. He'd probably go out and murder a bunch of people. I don't know. I mean, I I love my dad, but you know, he loves the shit out of me. And so you would fight, you fight for your kids. And yeah, I I just, I, I get it. I, I stand with you. I, I am too nervous to go out and protest right now because I am still weary of coronavirus. I do have a sister who is immunocompromised. I don't feel like the threat is over yet, but I am educating myself. My dad and I actually talked about this. We are going to do a a book club, a book exchange. He's going to give me, I think he'd said the art of the deal to read, obviously a Trump book. I bought him a book um, called White Fragility. Before this actually kind of happened and blew up, I, I just happened to read it in the past and I thought it was a great resource and place to start. And We wanted to both challenge each other's beliefs um, and just belief systems because I think as my dad's realized on this show, and dad, feel free to chime in. Like, you don't need to let me finish anymore. But we've both realized that confirmation bias feels really great. Talking about and talking to people who share your values and opinions 
it feels awesome. You know, like you're like, yes, I agree with that. Yes, you're validating my personal beliefs that I've had and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we've mostly had Republicans on this show, largely because my dad is heavily involved in the Republican Party. He's in the Republican Party, you know, GOP secretary for California. But we want to have more diverse opinions on this show. And we are doing you are seeing I mean, it's like coronavirus. You are seeing the best of humanity right now and you are going to see the worst of humanity right now. But what we cannot do is look away. And what we cannot do is just turn a blind eye anymore. And I think that's what these protests are showing us. This is what this violence and these riots are showing us. We cannot keep living like this. We cannot keep allowing people to get away with this level of just brutality. And I don't know if you saw this, Dad, but um, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin, they actually both worked security at the same nightclub for over a year. And they knew each other. So what people are saying now is they think, well, maybe this was some sort of personal vendetta against him. Parrot has her view. And, and you know, as, as we've been talking about, you know, I, I as a father and I as an American encourage all of you to have your views. All right. And, and, and your views are made up of, of your experiences, uh, your, you, you know, your, your friends, your cohorts, you know, social media, a lot of stuff. But let me just mention a couple of things, and, and again, this this is my view. So, you know, you know, one, I do think that, you know, right now some of this is framed as people of color versus white, and and the truth of it is, I think this is police brutality. You know, is there is there some part of people of color here versus white? I think it's not people of color because. You know, you had two white Americans and you had two Asian Americans. So, you know, I don't think all people of color feel the same thing. And and, and I don't think Africa, the African-American experience is similar to the Hispanic-American experience, is similar to the Asian-American experience. I think this is an African-American experience, you know, versus a probably a predominantly white society at one point. But I do want to say that, look, you know, Harrod said something that, you know, you know, sort of whites don't have a color. But the truth of the matter is we all have a race. We all do, you know, and and certain races can be dominant in certain fields. And so, you know, I've studied racial and ethnic relations all over the world in a lot of countries. And in, and look, you know, I'm German on one side, I'm Polish on the others. And, and so, you know, we're here talking about African-Americans and white Americans, you know, in Poland, they're talking about Ukrainians and Lithuanians and Russians and Germans, and they've been fighting for centuries and killing each other for centuries and trying to figure out, you know, what does this all look like? So I guess my point on that issue is, you know, the reason why I'm not a fan of, you know, the white privilege doctrine, because the white privilege doctrine wasn't created by African-American people, it was created by white people you know, to sort of justify something. And, and, and I'm not sure what they were trying to justify. I'm not sure they were trying to blame. But, but look, no matter what, I think as Harry pointed out, this is just not police brutality. And, you know, as, as my wife has said and my other daughter has said, you know, you know, would a white American, you know, person, you know, you know have been treated the same way? The answer is I don't know. But, but Howard, I think you have a really good point, though, is that in the social media world, we see things today that we may not have seen in the old days. 
you know, you know, keep this quiet or keep that quiet. You know, look, you know, Harry and I have talked a lot about the we, about the we. Well, can I, can I, before we get into the we? Sure, go ahead. Okay. I mean, so basically, I understand what you're saying in the sense that, yes, there's hatred within all ethnic groups. I understand when people came to America, Italians, Irish, there were signs in the window saying things like, you know, Irish need not apply. Italians need not apply. I get that. But there's been this systematic oppression in, you know, in my opinion, from what I've been taught, what I can see of police brutality against people of color. If this had happened to me. When you're talking people of color, though, just remember, it's all. So you're saying Asian Americans and you're saying Hispanic Americans? No, and, and, well, I'm mostly here saying Black Americans, Black Americans, okay, Black. So, okay, so but 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 that's separate. I, I mean, and I agree with you on, on, on African Americans. I agree with you. No, I'm not saying that the cops unfairly treat Asian Americans, but I can't speak to that I'm not Asian American. That's just yeah. given what I can see. Yeah. If if that is the case, the media is not really covering it. But African American, I will agree with you on that. Yeah, I, don't I mean, agree with you on that. So it's, it's, it, it is, it's black people. And, and I've talked about this before, the activist, Sean King, he talks about this, the Taylor Swift principle. If this had happened to Taylor Swift, what do you think would be happen? What would, what would be happening to those officers? They'd be immediately charged with first degree murder, not third degree murder, which is complete bullshit. That there would be national outrage. Now, I mean, I, I, you know, if, if this, if that was me, I would be the front cover of every magazine in America. All right, all right, all right look, I get- I could, you know, I could rebut on a couple of there, but, but, but let me just point out the, the law a second. And look, I, I don't, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but you, you know, I, you know, I you played one on TV. I played one on TV once. That's right. No, no. But, but so first degree murder is within, you know, all, all crimes are about intent. So that, you know, just so we understand this. So first, no, 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 I know now what they're saying, dad, like I said, first degree, because they're thinking since he knew this guy, you know, he gets this call saying, this guy's on the corner. Here's what he looks like. This is, well, that's I what mean, the prosecutor's you know, probably, you know, yeah, that's what the prosecutor's probably going to argue. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't know what the standard is for second degree murder, but, but I, I do think without knowing any other facts, you know, what prosecutors try to do is, is they try to, you know, get the crime that they can prove first. So, and most- that's the thing. That's why people are saying they think they're going for third because it's going to be easier to get a conviction. Is well, that true? You think that well, they go for penalty? Well, but I, I think, as you just said, I think they're going to go for third degree because that's 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 essentially reckless endangerment. They are right now. Just so yeah, you know, right. that's yeah, that's like reckless endangerment and murder. And, and and you know, more than likely, from what I see, just you know, they they caught a prima facie case. You know, what do the facts show? From what I think we all see is that prima facie case of manslaughter. Now, now I don't know what the standard is for second degree murder. For first degree murder, yeah, you know, the prosecutor will have to argue that he had that he did know him and that he had some intent that there was an intent to do this. You know, but 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 that's why though, Harriet, to you know, look, we have a couple of things. The first thing is the case, and you gotta you have to give. Just like O.J. Simpson had it, for example, you know, you have to give, you have to let the judicial system at least handle that. The second part, though, the systematic treatment of African Americans, you know, that look, look, it's a bigger, it's a bigger issue. But it, look, it has to be dealt with because, as we said, with the we, our job as you know, political leaders or just anything is we have to get a better we, and 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 you know, look. 
you know, some people are calling from the abolishment of the police. Yeah, if you have the abolishment of the police, we're all going to be armed gangs protecting ourselves, like what happens in certain parts of Latin America. I mean, th- I mean that's what happens there. You have armed gangs essentially roaming around. I mean, or that's tech- what happens. No, I'm but, kidding. <laughs> Everyone in Texas has a gun, literally, well, and Florida. Well, truthfully, with with the riots now, you're going to see gun sales going through the freaking roof right now because a lot no, of people are going to be panicking. I have friends saying I'm going out to buy a gun. In my opinion, yeah, I'm one of those nut jobs who probably thinks like I wish I wish guns didn't exist. That's because I'm a I'm a pacifist. I want to you know I am. I just I, I, I love it. if a yeah. riot comes, law and order can be. See, the truth of it is, as a society, we need the police to protect us. If we do, let's 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 get in on that. Exactly what you said. Yeah. But then that's where has to come in. What What's you that? just said. No, no, no. What you just said matters about that. That's, that's the thing. We need the police to protect us, the we, not just us, the people. Oh, I agree. That- I agree totally. I agree. But, 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 you know, the one thing I think I'll disagree a little bit with you on, though, is that I think, you know, Martin Luther King, the one thing he put in everybody's mind, and the one reason he was so popular, you know, was that he believed in peaceful protest. And peaceful protest actually has a much bigger role in our society, you, you, you know, than a lot. I, I mean, granted, look, look, if our ancestors had been slaves, I probably would be, be pissed off too, you know what I mean, to be honest with you. But, you know, but there are groups right now who are trying to take advantage. And I am in, in we talked oh, about looting and property the higher, but I, my guess, just from what I know, is that the people who are affected are not necessarily the ones rooting and doing all that. Because if you, I, I don't think, I think you get a lot of hangers on who just want to get into any situation. Well, we have people that just want to go in and break shit. But those aren't the people that we are saying are like, you know, the people that are working to do good here. You know, that that's not what we're talking about. No, it's I, the same I agree. Martin was still murdered. You know, well, like, you know, okay, you know, we can have our own sort of Martin Luther King and JFK and RFK, you know, issue. And believe me, you know, wasn't he, am I wrong? No, 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 no. You, you were right. Yeah. Supposedly it was James or Ray, but I, you know, you, you know, we can have our talk one time, you know, and I'm a big JFK and RFK and, and not as much MLK, but, but a little bit, but from 1963 to 1968, oh my God, you know, we can, I mean, there was so much crap going on here with, you know, hit squads and everything else, you know, but, but that's maybe another conversation. Oh, other conversation, but no, I, I agree with you. I think what I just wanted to say really quick, cause I think you agree with this and like, for example, dad, if a crime, if you witnessed a crime or like you were just mugged, you would call a police officer because you view police officers as being people who will protect us and that we can trust, and that will work for our greatest good. You weren't taught, you need to act differently in front of a police officer. You need to always be showing your hands at all times so they don't suspect that you're going to try to pull a gun on them. You weren't raised being told you need to interact with cops a certain way in order to avoid not getting hurt, pretty much. And that's what I'm saying. If I was involved in a crime or I saw a crime, I would call a cop. I would trust a cop. And there's this innate distrust for good reason among especially African-Americans, people of color, black people of color with the you know community. And like we talked about with Errol, this has been very, very long lasting. And I, oh, yeah. yeah, what I think, though, Harrod, and you look, you know, somebody once thought, you know, 
I, I, I agree, and, and I think it's a, I think, but I think it's a, it's a little bit more complicated in, in that, in that sometimes this belief, you know, the way we were going to solve this in the seventies and eighties and nineties was to hire more African American police, you know, Hispanic American police, Asian American police, but you know the. The, the, the truth is, I think it's a little bit deeper than that, though. You, you know, but but look, point well taken. You know, and and and, and you know, that's what I think. Why? Hey, look, mom and I were talking about it. I I, I mean, look, you, you know, I remember once even it you know, I was in Britain and uh, you know an African American woman friend of mine uh, was just arming me. We're just walking down the we're just walking down the street and the looks people were giving us. I mean, it, it, you know, so, so it is amazing. Well, marriage wasn't even legal until the sixties. No, no, no. Hey, Hey, you, 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 you know, but look, but that's why, that's why we're talking and, and look, you, you know, I, I, I think this, this, this was good for both of us to, uh, to hear us out on this one. And, 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 you know, look guys, you know, podcast listeners, we want to hear your views on this too, you know, but, but the thing Harriet and I have, you know, have learned and look, this, this is not easy. You, you know, Harriet and I, and, and you know, Harriet's husband, Paul and I, you know, it's not easy here. These are, you know, there, there's a psychology we have and deep seated feelings we have. And some of them have been taught. I mean, you, you know, for example, you know, I saw something about, you know, in, in one of the papers about African-Americans have the talk with their children, you know, yeah. and, and as you said, the talk, but white Americans have the talk too. And Not the, really. You never gave me a talk. No, with no, me. no, no, Harry. The talk is there are some things you can say and some things you can't say. There are some places you can go and some places you can't go. I guess what I'm saying, what, what, what I'm trying to let people who are African American know too, is that we're all, we all have races, we all have groups, we all have you know and the like, and and sometimes African Americans think they're only the ones who have to talk about some of these issues, and it's you know. Yes, there's some things that are life and death. And and if we have a country where African-Americans don't believe that the police, that when they call the police, the police will come out and will the one take them seriously and then come out and help them, then we are in trouble. Well, Dad, because- remember that. Um, sorry, just to talk about that, like you said. Uh, you are now a big Dave Chappelle fan. You think he's absolutely hilarious. Dave Chappelle, but, hours, but, but you're right, all right? You know, his... his um, like social commentary in the form of comedy is so spot on. And, and you, you listen to the, you watch yeah. the stand where he talks about how you feel as a wealthy black celebrity living in a mansion and your house is robbed. You literally wrestle with the idea of, and it was a joke the way he presented, presented it, but there was obviously a lot of truth with, do I call the cops? Are they going to show up armed and think, holy shit, the guy who robbed this place is still at the scene. He's inside the house. He's just come and put pictures of him and his family everywhere. This was a really intricate robbery. And just shoot him. You but know? Harry, and to, be, to be honest with you, though, it is – look, the first thing we have to do is make sure the police are, are protecting everybody. And, and, and if you go into somebody's – if you go into somebody's care, you're not going to get killed. We have to talk about these issues. But I, I guess my thing is – you know, I see life from my eyes and from my skin, and, and I do. And, and what, I, what I feel is what I feel. We all have to realize, as you said, you know, maybe it takes more training. But, but I'll tell you, you know, when people say to me, oh, my God, things are so much worse. No, they're not. Believe me, they, they didn't live in the 60s. They didn't live in the 60s and the 70s. Things were bad. Oh, but, but shit's still bad. I think no, it's no, what people— But, but Harold, I'm telling you, 
things were really bad. And I'm not saying that we've come a long way, but I think what I've seen at least, we've come a way. And and I think we have to realize where we've where, where we've come, you know, how much we've come, and then but also realize we're not there yet. And, and you know, and 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 we gotta figure out as a nation. I mean, look, you and I are trying to figure it out as a family. We're trying to figure it out as a family and a nation. How the hell, you know, you know, how we can, you know, honor the principles that we're trying to live up to. And to me, this is this is this is a very serious conversation. But the first thing you have to have is you got to stop the violence and the looting, and you got to make the cops be on the side of people. And even if you are suspected of a crime, you are not to be treated like an animal. You are to be treated as a human being. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's the whole, okay, all, all lives are created equal, but some people are, you know, more equal than others. It's just, oh my it's, God, it's like an animal farm here. Right? Oh, I know, but it's just, it's the unfortunate truth. And I mean, oh, there's I a reason why, you know, African American people are afraid of the cops. They have every right to be history has shown them. You are in danger. And I mean, even there's so many instances of, um, NFL players, NBA players, African American who have been pulled over by the cops and they talk about their experiences. It doesn't even matter if you're a millionaire, if you're famous, you are still a suspect. If you fit a description and there was this, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then we can end this, but there was a a beautiful, you know, but tragic thing that this woman shared. She's a white woman, but she's married to an African-American man. They have two kids and they live in this like rich kind of suburb neighborhood. And he has said, uh, or what she had said is, My husband never leaves the house and feels comfortable going for a walk around our neighborhood unless he has his two daughters with him and he's holding their hands and he's walking his little white fluffy dog. Because in that moment, he is not a six foot four black man who fits a criminal description and is at risk of being brutally murdered by a cop or being arrested. He is just a nice family man out for a walk with his daughters and his non-threatening little white dog. And that to me was just like, wow. I hear you, huh? You, you, you know, and look, you know, and you and I have gone, you know, one of the things I always want to do with you is that, you know, when, when we went to China, for example, I wanted to put you in a situation where you were, you were one of the only ones like you. Brought me because I speak Mandarin and you don't, and you needed a translator. <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell people that, okay? I'll tell you what, Harriet, this is, you know, I think this has been good for both of us. You know, I, I, I think we both, we both got our views out there. You know, and, and guys, you know, look, podcast listeners, we're not perfect. I mean, we're not saying we are, you know, we fight like every other family fights, but, you know, we're trying to figure it out because to not speak about these things is not going to, it's not going to help us. And right now we need people talking and working together, even if they're in one family, that's the first start. Then the second start is to go, you know, with other families. You know, the truth is we're all one American family here. And, you know, if, if somebody's hurting in there, everybody's hurting. Okay? I agree. No, I agree. I think, thank you for having this conversation and for, for being willing to do this and actually listen to me and not hang up on me. I appreciate it. Got it. Okay. Yeah.